found Psalms chapter number 50 say praise the Lord if I were hungry I would not tell thee for the world is mine and the fullness thereof will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I want to preach for a little while this evening on the secret cravings of a hungry God. The secret cravings of a hungry God. Lord, I pray, God, anoint me to preach, anoint ears to hear. Manifest your presence here. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost move in this place. Confirm your word with signs following and pour out your spirit. God, we thank you for it and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise as you're being seated tonight. God bless you. Throughout history, a large portion of the world's population have experienced frequent severe hunger. In many cases, this resulted from food supply disruptions caused by war and plagues or adverse weather. Hunger is caused by several factors. Often war, the fighting, has disrupted supply lines or destroyed fields and stores. Plagues have caused famine because the source has been destroyed by one plague or another. Environmental conditions often contribute to hunter, hunger. I know that my first exposure to hunger was in the nation of Ethiopia shortly after the devastating famine that caught the world's attention. And it rocked me because I had never really seen true poverty. Even in the worst places in America, I hadn't seen anything like that. Malnutrition is a cause of death for more than three million children under the age of five years old every year. UNICEF estimates that there are some 300 million children in the world that go to bed hungry every night and that 8,000 children under the age of five die of malnutrition every single day. Those are staggering numbers. Some 805 million people in the world do not have enough food to lead a healthy, active life. Think about that over 800 million people. Hunger and malnutrition are in fact the number one risk of health worldwide. Greater than war, greater than AIDS, greater than malaria, greater than tuberculosis, greater than cancer. The good news is that according to the World Food Program, there is enough food produced in the world to feed the entire population. So if there's enough food in the world to feed everybody, why are 8,000 children dying today? Why are 805 million people don't, not having enough food to survive and be healthy? If there's enough food grown in the world to feed the entire population. Why are there so many hungry? According again to UNICEF, there are no advances, listen to this, there are no advances in science or farming techniques needed to create enough food for the world. What they're saying is we basically know everything we need to know and have everything we need to have to feed every hungry person in the world. And so I ask you tonight that if that's the case, why 
are there so many hungry people? The answer is simple. There are not enough people who are concerned with people who are hungry. As long as we're satisfied ourselves, we don't think about somebody else being hungry. Can I get an amen? Our own personal satisfaction dooms others to continue to be hungry. Because we have all that we want. Somebody else is doomed to be hungry. Because we simply do not think about it. So tonight I pose a hypothetical question to you. What if God was the one that was hungry? He raised the potential of such a concept himself in Psalms chapter 50 and verse 12. If I were hungry, God raised the possibility that he may himself be faced with hunger. He made it clear that if I were hungry, he says, I would not tell you. I wouldn't ask you for food. I wouldn't come to you, to my children, to my church, with my hat in my hand asking you for anything. I would say that I would have to be very hungry to beg for food. I've told my kids over the years when they were little, they probably don't remember it, but if we had food and they didn't like the food we fixed, I would tell them, then you're not hungry enough. I remember one time we were in Savannah, Georgia, and we had a meal that we had bought, and we were going to give it to a homeless person. And the homeless person got mad for offering him a food. He said, I don't eat leftovers. I'm like, it's a meal. It's right, right there. So I walked away and said, he's not hungry enough. But what if God were hungry? What if tonight we had a God who was hungry but refused to say anything about it? What if he were hungry tonight but decided that he would rather go hungry than request that we feed him? That he preferred that instead of us having to be asked, that there would be something inside of us that would say, God, is there anything I can give you tonight? Not only should we ask God if he's hungry, but we should also ask that if he were hungry, what would God want to eat? I would submit to you tonight that hunger was God's idea. It was God implanting within us a feeling that he himself was familiar with. It was God programming humanity in the natural to feel something that he longed for in the spiritual. He put a gnawing, deep longing within us that lets us know what it feels like to be without and to want so that he could somehow, someday, make a metaphor that you and I could understand. Because if he said, I want worship, we don't know what it's like to want worship because we've never really been worthy of worship. If he said, I want praise, I don't know how to feel about that because I've never felt worthy of praise. And so he made there a feeling inside of me that when God says, I'm hungry, I know exactly what it feels like. I will tell you that there is a deep spiritual hunger tonight in the heart of God that he refuses to tell us about. Make no mistake about it, God is hungry tonight. There is an emptiness within his being tonight. He has not tapped us on the shoulder to inform us about it. He's not held at his hand and said, would you give me a piece of bread? But just because you're not aware of the hunger 
of the craving of a hungry God does not mean that God's not hungry tonight. God waits patiently to be invited to sit at your table and to eat. Tonight, God waits for his church to offer him something that he longs for, that he don't get at the ball game, and he don't get in the political rally, and he don't get it at the deer stand, and he don't get it at the mall, and he's not getting it at Black Friday shopping, but there's a hunger in the heart of God that he will not tell us that he wants, but I promise you he wants it tonight. I submit to you tonight for your consideration that our own satisfaction is what has caused us to not sense that God is hungry. Just as the world remains hungry because there's not, not because there's not enough resources and not because there's a lack of food, but the world remains hungry because there's not enough people that care about hunger to make a difference. We're satisfied with our lives. We're satisfied with our blessings. We're satisfied and content with what God has given us. And we're so full that we don't really recognize the fact that there's a hungry God in our midst. We have so much comfort. We have so much pride. Help me preach for a minute. We have so much of this world in our lives. We have the best of everything. I'll be honest with you that the problem that God has is not that we as the church don't have enough. The problem is that we have too much that we don't even think that maybe God wants more out of me. The fullness of the church has caused us to be unaware of the craving of a hungry God. Tonight, God has a craving within himself that he has chosen not to reveal to us on his own. He's not going to force me to feed him. He's not going to force me to bring something to him. He's not even going to ask. He said, if I were hungry, Psalms 50 and 12, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee. There is something in the ancient world that was known as the sacred duty of hospitality. Fred H. White wrote about it. They believed in the ancient world that when a guest came to them, that the guest had been sent by God and that hospitality was a sacred duty. In Genesis 18, when three guests showed up to Abraham's tent, Abraham, the Bible said, ran to meet them and he hastened to the tent to Sarah, his wife, to get the food ready. And he went out to the herd and he, he got himself a calf to dress it because he knew that when somebody comes, it's my obligation to show hospitality and to feed them. When two people agreed on a covenant, they said we have shared bread and salt between us. In Isaiah 58 and seven, the Bible said, share your food with the hungry. It was culturally expected that when a guest came to the house, that you offered them something from your table for them. The guest was never expected to have to say, can you give me something to eat? I'm hungry. The guest was never expected to have to say, can you give me something? Can you offer me some bread or some meat? It was the duty of hospitality. It was considered sacred and God said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you because it's not my responsibility to tell you. It's your job. When I come into the room, it's your job to ask me, is there anything I can give you? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything that I can give to you tonight, God? He said, I wouldn't ask you for it because I should never have to ask you to give me what I want. He says, will I eat the flesh of bulls? I would like to have the flesh of a bull right now. Grilled just right. He said, that's not what I'm craving. It's not what I want. It's not what I'm looking for. It's not a steak on my table that I'm looking for. It doesn't satisfy my hunger at all. 
Amen. We had Thanksgiving dinner in Nashville at Paula Dean's restaurant with some of our church folks on Thursday. And, and at our table was a pretty interesting group because you had somebody that there was all kinds of stuff there, sweet potatoes and green beans and, and, and ham and turkey and pork and, and uh, making myself hungry and dressing and, and some kind of broccoli casserole stuff. And, and they brought me out some gravy and had all that there. And it was all laid out right in front. Yeah, amen. Praise God. It's the secret craving of a hungry bishop. There's one guy at the table. I'm not going to say because I don't want him to quit playing the guitar. He didn't like any of it, hardly. Texture of the sweet potato is not good. The green beans aren't good because they're green. Am I? Oh, he's not even in here. I could just go to, where's he at? I can just go to town now. Didn't like it. And it's fine because everybody's allowed to have their own desire. But God said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Because it's not my job to tell you that I'm hungry. When I step into the room, it is culturally expected that when I step into the room, that you automatically begin to ask me if there's anything that you can give me. It's not my job to tell you that I'm hungry. It's your job to tell me, God, what can I give you tonight? What can I offer you tonight? Because God has stepped into this room tonight. Can I tell you about God? God has been cursed all week long. There, has been, there have been social media threads and, and arguments about having thanksgiving to a God that doesn't exist. And there's people already gearing up to, to, to talk about why we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. Because there's no such thing as God and no such thing as Christ. And all week long, they're talking about how there's no God. And they're cursing his name. And they're taking his name in vain. And everywhere you go, they're, cut, they're, they're attaching curse words to him. And when he comes into the church of the living God, can I tell you, he's hungry tonight. He's hungry for somebody to say, I love you. I need you. I care about you. I worship you. He's hungry for somebody. And not to wait for him to bless you, but when he steps into the room to say, God, I'm here to give you the very best that I can. I'm here to give you my worship. He said, I wouldn't tell you if I were hungry. I'm not going to come to you and say, worship me, praise me, glorify me, give me thanks. I'm not going to come to you and say, give me what I deserve. But I'm telling you, when I step into the room, there's an expectation of hospitality on behalf of the church that when God comes to his house, that we lift our hands and say, God, I'll give you what you want. I'll worship you. Can I tell you exactly what he wants? Psalms 50 and 14, the very next verse. Offer unto God thanksgiving. Oh, yes. Offer. He said, I wouldn't ask you for it. He said, but if you're asking me what I want, Give God your thanksgiving. Give God some thanks. Don't wait for him to have to give you another blessing. When he steps in, just give him thanks. Can I tell you that what we ought to do every time, there should never be a time. Can I preach to you for a minute? There should never be a time when somebody has to step to the pulpit and say, give God praise. There should never be a moment when we ought to have to step into the pulpit and say, come on, everybody, let's worship God. There's an expectation of hospitality on the presence of God that when he comes, that we just offer him from the fruit of our lips, our praise to him. Oh, I wish somebody would do it right now. Offer unto God 
thanksgiving, God, I thank you. God, you've been so good to me. God, you have blessed me. God, you have blessed me so much. God, you've given me. I don't, I, I'm not standing here. God, I'm not standing here saying that you haven't done anything for me. I acknowledge that everything I have, I have because of your mercy. I wouldn't have the wife I have if you didn't give me grace. I wouldn't have my beautiful daughters if you hadn't smiled on me. I wouldn't have this church if you hadn't smiled on my life. God, I wouldn't have these brothers and sisters in my life. If it wasn't for you, I'd still be lost. I'd be bound. I'd be a sinner. But God, So God, I'm not going to wait for you to ask for it. I'm going to give you my praise right now. Oh, geez. Come on. Somebody ought to praise him. Somebody ought to worship him. Somebody ought to give him thanksgiving. The Bible said it's the fruit of your lips. Give him a praise. We're entering to a very selfish season when relationships are measured by the value of gifts. I remember I tell this, I probably tell this story every year around Christmas time, but when Kate was probably four years old or so, we were going into Target up at Olive Branch and I was holding her by the hand. And she, bless her heart, she had all those speech impediments. And she, we were walking in and she looked up at me and said, Daddy, I want a thousand presents. I thought a thousand presents. I said, Kate, you got more stuff now than you can play with. I said, why don't you give some of your stuff to kids that don't get anything and then you'll have more room for stuff. She said, Dad, everybody gets presents. I said, Kate, not everybody gets presents. And so I told her that when, when I was a kid, there was a, a time under the Carter administration when my dad had been laid off from Chrysler and there was a group in town called the Goodfellas. And the Goodfellas collected used toys and they gave them to poor families. And, and, and man, it was a great day when the Goodfellas showed up at our house. I got a metal submarine with a dent in it. It was awesome. A metal submarine with a dent was better than no submarine. Man, it was awesome. Played with that thing till I lost it. That and good old government cheese. Whew. You say, well, I wouldn't eat government cheese. You ain't been hungry enough yet. So I, I was trying to relate to Kate how Christmas was different when I was growing up. And I told her, I said, Kate, when I was a little boy, we only got one good present, and then we got a few other little things. And she looked up at me, she said, Daddy, how cute were you? She said, if you'd have been cuter, you'd have got more. God, I wish I was cuter. We're entering into a season right now where it's all about what I can get, what I can get, what I can get. I'm going to tell you something. That the best thing that we'll do in this entire season is prioritize thanksgiving and praise to God. The most important thing I'll do is understand that I've got a God that is hungry. I've got a God that is hungry for me to worship him. He'll never tap me on the shoulder and say, come on, because if he has to make me do it, it's not really praise. If he has to manipulate me into giving it to him, it's not really worship. It's just me following the command of someone else. But when I come to him, hallelujah. Man, Kate played me like a fiddle the other day at conference. She's, she's, she's probably not glad I'm preaching about her, but I am. She come to me, she said, Daddy, she came to Thursday, she said, Dad, there's a dress I want really bad. It's really cute, it's really pretty, I want it, Daddy. And I said, well, I'll talk to your mom about it. What I was hoping is that her mom would say, no, Kate, quit asking. But her mom didn't say it, so she came to me on Friday, Dad, she's only got one left. I, I, there's, I really want this dress. And, and then she said something, she said, Dad, you know all that time I spend with you?
And I said, and just take your change and give it to missions. Am I able, God, to say, you know all that time I spend with you? God, here's the truth. If you never did another thing for me for the rest of my life, that you've done enough that I could stand from now until eternity and say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for every blessing, for every benefit, for everything you've brought me through, for every mountain you've brought me over, for every valley you've brought me through, for every time I didn't think I could make it and you picked me up, for every time I woke up in the middle of the night overcome by fear and wondering what was going to happen, but God, you met me in the middle of the night and you gave me peace. God, when I didn't know how my life was going to turn out and I didn't know if I was ever going to have a future and I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to do anything, but God, you came right in and you brought me through every trial that I ever had over every battle that I've ever been through. God, you made a way. It hadn't always been easy, but I've never been forsaken. I've never been left alone. I've never had to do without. God, when I didn't think that anybody cared, I found out you still cared. So God, if you never do anything for me, you'll never be hungry if I, as long as I'm around. You'll never have to wonder, is anybody going to praise me? As long as I'm around, I'm going to feed the secret hunger of a God that's done more for me than I could ever give him thanks for. You'll never give him more praise than he deserves. You could exhaust yourself right now. You could wring yourself out, and you would not be able to give him what he deserves. He's hungry. He's hungry, he's, and he's not going to get it down the road, and he's not going to get it in the school, and he's not going to get it at the factory, and he's not going to give it in the community. If he can't get it here, where will God be fed? God's hungry right now. God's hungry. God's hungry. He's hungry. Offer unto God thanksgiving. The message version says, verse 14, this way, spread for me a banquet of praise. Spread for me a banquet of praise. It's the secret craving of a hungry God. It was considered considered to be a shame for a family to have a guest come over and to not offer them some bread. It was such a shame that a man would go next door and borrow bread if he didn't have his own just because he knew that it's a shame for a guest to come and for that guest to have to ask for a bite. God, I just want you to know, you'll never have to be hungry for praise when you come to Bethlehem Church. God, I pray that you'll never have to step through the doors of this church and your presence fill this room and leave hungry. God, I pray that you never come around me and my family and leave hungry. After all that you've done for me, after all that you've given me, after all that you've blessed me with, God, I give you 
my praise right now. I give you my worship tonight, God. It may not be as fancy as somebody else's, but God, I'll give you the best praise that I have. I'll offer to you from the bottom of my heart thanksgiving for everything that you are and for all that you've ever done. God, for the dying on the cross for me, for shedding your blood, for filling me with the Holy Ghost, for letting me know the truth. God, for giving me hope for eternity and calling me out of darkness into marvelous light. God, I pray that you'll never have to leave my presence hungry. I pray you never have to go somewhere else to get the praise and the thanksgiving that your name deserves. God, I know you're hungry. As your eyes are closed tonight, I'm coming to a close. His name has been cursed all week long across the globe. He's been mocked and reviled and disbelieved. He's been ignored by many. And then he arrives at his own house to see those who are filled with his spirit and called by his name. He does not arrive full. He arrives hungry. He arrives with the longing for someone that will do something besides curse him. But if, I, but if asked directly, God, what would it be that you would want? It wouldn't be good old Mississippi fried catfish. He wouldn't crave the best aged prime rib. He doesn't want a banquet of the finest fare from the premier chefs of the world. He asked for one thing, spread for me a banquet of praise. Can I tell you tonight, you may not have any renown, you may not be of any reputation, you may not have any exceptional skill or talent, there may not be anything in you that is superior to anybody else, you may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket, you may have messed up this week and embarrassed yourself beyond recognition but can I tell you that none of that matters when God's hungry he'll take a hallelujah from the most broken person in the world and he'll take a hand clap from one soul that's that's hungry for his presence he'll take a song from a joyful heart on one side and a shout of praise from the other side he'll take a raised hand from a former addict and a dance from someone who used to be depressed a banquet of praise spread before him is the only thing that the craving of a hungry God can be satisfied with. You can't buy your way into filling that hunger. You cannot impress your way into filling that hunger. The only way you can do it is to spread for him a banquet of praise. It's what he longs for. It's what he's hungry for. It's what he's craving tonight. He's not craving. He's not craving the millionaire as much as he's craving somebody just to say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for how you've changed my life. God, if it wasn't for you, I'd have no hope at all. Thank you, God. And it satisfies the craving of a hungry God. Stand with me tonight. God, I'm so fickle sometimes. Something in my life's not going exactly how I want it to. Got a little bump in the road here, a little issue there. And as soon as something goes wrong, I'm tempted to think God doesn't care about me anymore. God, let it never be that way. But God, let me be so hospitable to your presence. that it makes you want to show up again. Sister Wilson, 
I have to admit something. My wife gets a little bit aggravated at me when it comes to your breakfast. Because I'll say I don't like breakfast almost every day of my life. And then the moment that you say you got it, let's go. So, well, she, now, now listen, I'm not trying to get her in trouble. And don't tell any of these other people. But she'll say, well, he says he doesn't like breakfast, but he'll eat Sister Wilson's breakfast. Sister Wilson can say Breck, and I'm at the house before fast comes out. When she asks for breakfast, I don't sit around and say, ah, we got to go to breakfast. Like you say, breakfast. I, I don't sit around and think, we got to get up in the morning and go get breakfast at Sister Wilson's house because there's an expectation that has been built by experience that I know that every time I show up that my hunger gets satisfied and I hope that when it gets to be about 7.15 on Wednesday night that God begins to turn his eye towards Bethlehem Church because we've built up an expectation that every time he shows up, he's going to be satisfied by the praise that we offer him. I want to build an expectation that when he comes to my table, that he knows he's not going to go home hungry. Why don't you lift your hands all over this place? He said, if I were hungry, I, I wouldn't tell you. Because it's not really my job to tell you to praise me. It's not really my job to encourage you to worship. It's not really my responsibility to encourage you to come to the altar with your hands lifted up and offer me praise. It's just a natural response to a guest of the nature of God coming into this room. That when he does, I have this desire to come and appear before him. To bring him my hallelujah. To bring him my thank you, Jesus. To bring him and I love you, Lord. To understand that God has stepped into this room hungry for your praise. To think that God has come. Will you send him home hungry tonight? I'm not talking about the rest of the church. You don't, don't rely on the rest of us to feed God for you. But will you send him home hungry tonight? Or when he taps you on your spiritual shoulder and says, here I am. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open unto me, I will come in and I will sup with him. It's the hunger. Avery, it's the hunger in the heart of God that he longs for your worship. He longs. I don't know how you do that step. But I know that it feeds something in God that nothing else. It's the banquet of praise that you offer to him. Don't ever stop. As long as you're able, don't ever stop. As long as you can, give him the praise that's due his name. Can you feel what I'm preaching here right now? There's a craving in the heart of God for worship from his people, from, he, from you. Not just from the praise team and the pastor. Not just from the musicians and the singers and the saints. 
at you, where you are, your pew, every man, every woman, every young person in this place, there's a hunger in God to hear you praise him. So why don't we do it from the front to the back and from the left to the right? Can we satisfy the hunger in the heart of God? you Jesus you don't have to be perfect he said let everything that has breath he'll take a praise from a broken person
into this word tonight. I was wondering if we, as ourselves, all throughout the week, would at some point during each and every day just give God what he's hungry for. Sometime throughout the day you find yourself alone, it's just you and God. Just begin to give him praise. See what he does. If we feed him, he will feed us in abundance. If we bless him, he will bless us in abundance. And then come Wednesday, ready to receive what he has for you. Come Sunday morning, ready to receive what he has. Sunday night, ready to receive what he has. But sometime during every day this week, let's make a point to worship God, just to give him praise throughout the day. Let's feed God every day, amen? Amen. Let's remember we have a meet and greet directly after service. Go through the vestibule the prayer room far right corner and also tonight and i believe tomorrow is the last day to get 20 dollars tickets for the christmas play and they've got a stand set up back there uh if you want to buy tickets tonight 20 dollars. otherwise they're going back up to 25 god bless you you're dismissed in the name of jesus